Welcome to the second episode of About South. This week, we're talking about television tourism in Covington, Georgia, home of the popular CW show, The Vampire Diaries. The show enters its eighth season this fall, and it boasts an impressive fan base. Additionally, over the years, the town of Covington has developed an interesting relationship with the series. Fellow Southern Studies scholar Molly McGeehee joins me for this conversation. She's a professor at Oxford College of Emory University, where she teaches courses in American Studies and English. Currently, she's completing a book project about the Atlanta imaginary in women's literature. She took a break from that work, though, to show me around Oxford and Covington, where we went on the Vampire Stalkers Tour hosted by Mystic Falls Tours. They took us through the major locations and scenes of the Vampire Diaries, and I must say, I learned a lot. But confession time, that's probably because I've never seen a single episode of The Vampire Diaries. I don't even own a television. But don't you hate when people say that? Let me be clear. I don't own a television, but I love television. And my lack of an official TV set doesn't stop me. I will watch almost anything. And I will especially watch shows set in, filmed in, or otherwise about the South. I've even been an extra on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. So I was eager to dig in with this show. But let me repeat, everything I know about TV vampires, I learned from the young women I met on our tour. It was a good day, and I now have a lot more homework to do, approximately seven seasons worth. In addition to learning about vampires, Molly and I also consider the economic and material impacts of television shows that film in southern locations, such as Covington, and the slippery nature of reality and fiction when a show takes over a town. And lastly, on a somber note, Molly sat down for About South before the news that two Oxford College of Emory students were killed in the terror attack last week in Bangladesh. Our thoughts are with the victims' families and the entire Oxford College and Covington communities as they mourn this enormous loss. Oxford and Covington are beautifully welcoming spaces, and we encourage you to visit and see for yourself. I know I appreciated their hospitality as I attempted to understand the television phenomenon of The Vampire Diaries. So we are here in, well, we're in Oxford, Georgia. Right next to Oxford, Georgia is Covington, Georgia, which is where the TV show, the very popular show, The Vampire Diaries, is filmed. And this morning, Molly and I went on the Vampire Diaries, the Vampire Stalkers tour with Angie in Covington. I have never seen any episodes of The Vampire Diaries. Molly has seen a little bit, but we were with some real super fans who maybe filled in a little bit of information for us. So today we're gonna kinda go over what Molly has noticed about The Vampire Diaries, keeping in mind that she is not a super fan. She has only seen a few episodes. She has supplemented her knowledge with Wikipedia which, as we learned in the Blue Crayfish episode, is the source of all correct information. And then you've seen the finale of season seven. Correct. Okay. So first, I need, Molly, what is, what is the premise of The Vampire Diaries? Well, I would liken it to 
a vampire-themed Dawson's Creek. So you've got a female protagonist who is torn between two brothers, or her, her, her feelings of love uh, extend to two brothers. One is Damon Salvatore, the other is Stefan Salvatore, and her name is Elena, by the way, Elena Gilbert. And so these brothers arrive on the scene in her town of Mystic Falls, Virginia, so it's set in Virginia in present day times. And she instantly falls for Stefan, but then has this uh, interesting um, attraction slash dislike for his brother Damon, played by Ian Somerhalder. Then there's all this other backstory that has to do with the fact that these brothers date back to the 1860s, were killed uh, in the Civil War, I think at the Bal Battle of Willow Creek, not exactly sure what all happened or went down at the Battle of Willow Creek, but that's when they became vampires, and obviously they've existed since then and seen a lot of history. Now, to be clear for our listeners, the they were Confederate soldiers. I believe so. Their conflict is presumably, <laughs> presumably about a woman named Catherine, whom I believe was also a vampire, and who was burned in a church, and she loved both of them, they both loved her, and interestingly enough, she looks exactly like Elena in present day. And there was a lot of mentioning of journaling today on the uh, tour, and in the gift shop there were journals, and I thought it was odd that there were so many journals, and then I had the aha moment that it was the vampire <laughs> diaries. Do, do these vampires keep diaries? Um, to my knowledge, Stefan does. Stefan keeps a diary. Yes, and Elena keeps a diary. She's not a vampire. Until just to Elena. remind our listeners. But she does... does no, she, she never becomes one from what I gathered. She decides not to become a vampire. She has the option at some point. Again, not sure how that all goes down. And she chooses not to become one. So she remains human. She keeps a diary, and then she meets Stefan, and... At some point, she sees that he's keeping a diary, and she says to him, Oh, you keep a diary too? And it's this moment between them. He's a sensitive vampire. And this is not the only show that has been filmed in Covington, Georgia. No. In fact, um, Covington is trademarked as the Hollywood of the South. They've trademarked that. They have trademarked that. And there is a long list of film credits that one can find on the internet. Or if you go to the Covington Visitor Center, they have um, maps and lists and, and all good uh, pieces of literature about everything that's been filmed here. Everything from In the Heat of the Night, which ran from the late 80s to the early 90s, uh, The Dukes of Hazard, that opening shot of the General Lee going and kind of jumping up in front of a building was filmed in Oxford, Georgia, next door, as you mentioned earlier, to Covington on the campus of Oxford College of Emory. Um, and then there are movies too, Sweet Home Alabama, scenes from Selma. So the list goes on. There's a long list of things that have, have been filmed here. Flight, recent Denzel Washington movie. So it is a very popular spot uh, to make films and television programs. Now, to your knowledge, has Covington... From the large things you've mentioned, has it ever starred as itself, or is it always somewhere else? 
To my knowledge, it's always somewhere else. But that's a really great question. We'd have to look into that a little bit. But to my knowledge, it's almost always representing some other small town in the South. So yeah, you, you, you have this town that can always stand in, it seems, for any sort of small town southern landscape. With, and, and if one was to come to Covington, what, would it, what they would see would be this town square with a Confederate memorial monument perfectly placed in the center of the square, buildings all around that have been recently revamped from what I, what I know. Uh, so new paint, uh, new restaurants, this beautiful clock tower city hall building that is sort of the cornerstone of the, of the city. You see it in all the brochures, you see it as the logo. So I think it just serves all these purposes of you've got the courthouse, the perfect courthouse, you've got the square in the middle, the sort of um, silver and wilderness, magnolia-laden square in the middle, and then all these boutique shops around it that are in relatively good condition. Covington, as our fabulous tour guide said today, is a camera-ready town. Yes. And what that means, it, it is ready to stand in for any town, pretty much any town. I think on the list of shows that we had, also Sleepy Hollow is filmed here. That's true. Now that you say that, it would be interesting to go back and think how significant is its southern location. But the fact that the backstory does reference the Civil War and that these were young men killed in the war and have been alive since then and have seen all this history, you have to think it has some um, weight in the show. But I think you're right that it Covington as a town can be anywhere you anywhere small town USA. For all the desire of geographic and space-based truth, it's good to constantly re-remind ourselves that this is a show about, as we learned today, vampires, werewolves, hybrids, which is the combination of a werewolf and a vampire. Right. There was some disagreement about how hybrids are made among our panel of experts. Indeed. Heretics, witches, humans. Was that, that, it? that about covers it. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that's pretty much it. So I don't think geography is important at all, except that you have to have these visual cues that can remind you that this is in a southern locale in some way. So what does that mean? Women and the men don't necessarily read as performing some sort of southern femininity or masculinity, southern, I should say southern white for the most part, femininity or masculinity, as you would see in something like A Sweet Home Alabama or these other films and TV programs that a lot of scholars have written about. I think that that part doesn't play, you, know, you don't have the gender performance to reinforce the, the southern locale but you do have these um, icons of, this, of the square and the courthouse to kind of create that small town, southern feel for the show. And the columned mansion, I think, is pretty important, too. Do they have overly pronounced southern accents, or do they pretty much play the accent even? I don't hear any accents in the show. And that, I mean, that's a refreshing. I mean, that is, continues Thanks. to be the bane of the audio televisual landscape Indeed. is the fake. Sorry, I agree. Um, I think 
that then raises the question of why set a vampire show in the South? Is there something about setting it in the South that creates that certain sort of gothic feel or eerie quality that will contribute to the entertainment of the viewer or enhance the sense of authenticity to the viewing experience that then the viewer has a heightened reaction to what they're seeing because it rings even more true. It's a shorthand for something. Yes. Being in the South. It's doing narrative legwork that the writers themselves don't have to do somehow. Exactly. Perhaps. Right. So you put, it's almost like you have a checklist and if you put all of these things in, you set it here you've got your eerie woods and you've got all these things sort of checked off even in the absence of accents or some sort of southern performance it creates that mystique or that vibe that's necessary to heighten the emotional reaction or investment of the viewer because typically i would like for my students i would say well let's not just say the south that it's set in the south let's be particular about where it is but what these shows do is like many other um, texts, they reinforce that monolithic sense of the South. So I can say it's set in Mystic Falls, Virginia, or it's set in Virginia, but that doesn't really mean anything. But if I say it's set in the South, all of a sudden that means something. Right. Especially the small town, because no individual small town, southern small town, would rise to the level of providing that shorthand. Southern cities would. To say something set in Atlanta or set in New Orleans or set in Charleston, that has a purchase, that you can right. place that city. But otherwise, everything else is just the flattened monolithic south. Exactly. like to take a moment and really plug this Vampire Stalkers tour and Angie, our tour guide, knowing nothing about the show and working off of Molly's limited knowledge, <laughs> I would say that... Please say extremely limited knowledge. Working off, you heard the correction yourself, extremely limited knowledge as two <laughs> novices in the Vampire Diaries world. Um, Angie at... On location, Vampire Stalkers tour was fabulous. Yes, I second that emotion. Her knowledge of this show, the ins and outs, is nothing short of encyclopedic. Yes. I was really struck by that, too, that she was able to give a tour on so many layers. That's what I kept thinking about. It's sort of like this palimpsest image of you've got... Okay, here's the geography, here's where we are, here's a scene that you might remember. You, you probably noticed she would always say, you'll remember or you remember, because she's speaking, with the exception of us, typically to people who know the show as well as she does, if not better, and so who have seen every episode and who have held on to these certain climactic moments. And so she knows that, and she's able to, to ground people in that, that geography at that moment. And then as you were saying, like to take the step back and say, 
this amazing scene that you remember, this is what they had to do to make that window break, or this is what they had to do for that person to fall off, and here's the stunt double, you know, how they did the stunt double part. And to talk on that level, I think they are doing it out of sincere love and appreciation for the show and what it's brought this community. Because Covington um, is, a, is a small town on the edge of Atlanta. I think people had expected that it would have dramatic growth and then 2008, you know, the recession hits and a lot of things that probably were going to happen didn't happen. And now it seems to be coming back. And so I think that Vampire Diaries, which came, of course, in 2009, infused the town with people, with money, with interest that they probably really needed. And I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. I mean, I haven't done any kind of focus groups with citizens of Covington. But we learned today, of course, that the Mystic Grill, it's a restaurant in town. We had lunch there. It was um, an accountant's office, and there was a fire, and so the accountants had to move out, and the building was just left to stand there. Well, it had been, at least the facade had been this major figure in the show with the Mystic Grill where the teenagers always hang out and work, and, and um, you know things happen on top of the Mystic Grill. People almost get pushed off the building and all this stuff. It plays a major role in the show. And so local people came in and invested and created this restaurant, and in turn, Vampire Diaries has put neon signs in the window and left them there, and you, you've just got this sort of give and take. And so I feel like the infusion that the show has brought, probably in terms of money or interest or people, or just having something to be proud of, like the Hollywood of the South or having this tour, there is something that is important about that for towns that, southern towns in particular, that are, are sort of fading from existence. The Mystic Grill, let me make sure I have this correct, started out, it was an accountant's office. The show asked to use and build a facade that looked like the restaurant. Yes, and they were filming on the outside. Vampires on the outside, accountants on the inside. Exactly. For a while. It's a bit like a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's business in the back, vampire party in the front. That's correct. Okay. The... But then, tragically, during the third season, the building that was the Mystic Grill burned. Yes. And now there is a real Mystic Grill. I realize you have tried to explain this to me yes. earlier. There's a real Mystic Grill that investors, including the mayor, built that you can go and eat and where we had lunch and it was delicious. They were going to demolish it after the fire. And so the idea, the show, having created a popular narrative of this mystic grill that the town became so invested in that now it's a real mystic grill. And you will recall that when we went to eat lunch there, I think every member of our tour group also ate there. Yeah. I mean, that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a, like, I think it may be literally fantastic. <laughs> like, it's fantastical that the show yeah. created the restaurant. I mean, the show didn't literally create the restaurant, but it it is now. But it did. It did yeah. in the sense that yeah. it was a restaurant. It, it named it. It created the facade for it, and now a real restaurant has gone behind the facade. You create a fake restaurant. You create a facade. 
And then the show gets so much popularity and there's so much draw that these investors are able to create a restaurant based on a fake restaurant that then feeds literally the consumers of the show. Oh my goodness. See, that, <laughs> that is where this gets like, I mean, it gets a little hard to think about because yeah. we're moving between these layers of fact and of fiction and of reality and everybody is okay with that. I think that's the thing that we all know that this isn't real, but we love that there's now a real Mystic Grill. Yes. And that's the thing is I think we tend to think of a real person or real thing may put up a facade to be something else. In this case, a facade, an actual facade was made. And now a real thing has fallen in behind it. But Angie sort of seemed to relish in a wonderful way that she was pulling the curtain back for us. And so she's pointing out to us our willing suspension of disbelief and showing us how all this is a movie set, how it's all fake, it's not real. But rather than destroy that sense of um, fantasy and fiction that we all love about shows, I actually almost think it makes the attachment to the show and investment stronger. I mean, that's why you go on this tour, right? It's because you love this show, and you want to know everything you can about it. And you know it's a show. You know it's fiction. You know these are movie sets. But somehow being in these places, even as crafted and landscaped and made and constructed and all of that they are. But to me, it made the scene, I think this is what you're saying, it made the show seem more magical. Yes, even as we're being led through every illusion. It's that understanding how it's built. And this is where mm -hmm. I don't every week make the leap to like this perfect metaphor for the South, but there is something to me there that one of our points of this podcast to kind of undo, to understand what is the South, how is it built, is it real? On the one hand, that could seem like a really just kind of buzzkill approach. Mm -hmm. To a region that I imagine a lot of our listeners are attached to. Right. But I'm hoping it has a little bit of the effect of Angie's tour. Whereas if you start to pull apart how it's built and the parts that you know are fake. Mm -hmm. But what went into that? How did someone take this space and imagine something else? Mm -hmm. It doesn't take anything away from the fake televisual version of that scene. Mm -hmm. In fact, it kind of makes it more interesting. Yes. It almost sharpens your focus. Yeah. It. it intensifies it in a way. It heightens it, enhances it, rather than destroying it. Now, that is not to say that there aren't destructive creations. Right. And we have to understand how they work. But for the ones that aren't apparently or immediately kind of destructive or negative or do harm, it doesn't ruin them to know how they're made. 
Can we briefly talk about butts? Yes, I was gonna bring this up earlier when I was talking about gender. There were so many butts today. So many butts referenced. And it's not really gender, I guess. It's more of sexuality. So another thing about vampire narratives, as we know, especially the Twilight series, is it's really, or it's often... Um, sex. Sex. Se- it's, it's all sex. It's all sex. It's a story about sex. It's about lust even more than sex and waiting for the realization of those lustful feelings. But, <laughs> it's a segue... Angie referenced butts a lot. But I don't think it was Angie. Angie has not put the butt into the tour. The butts have come to Angie. Because it appears that people started with the questions of, is this where Damon sat? Right. Damon being Ian Summerholder. I think it's even more about Ian Summerholder, the actor. His butt. But see, this is where people always conflate actor and character. So you, you hear stories about actors being yelled at or, you know, like a fan yelling out and saying, hey, Damon, not hey, Ian. So there's a conflation there. So why don't we, we'll just refer to him as Damon. But we're talking about Damon Salvatore, played by Ian Summerhalder. Because she yes. kept going back and forth between Damon and Ian. So I'm just pointing out that slippage between the actor and the character. But the character of Damon and the actor Ian Summerhalder. They do both, share a butt. They share a butt and a body, and he is an attractive man, and he is this lustful character on the show. So Angie um, did reinforce, though, several times where Ian slash Damon's butt had been, starting with the bench in the square. And so many people want to sit where he sat that actually the paint is wearing off the bench. And I did go over and note that the paint is chipping off the bench. Did you sit where he sat? I did not do that. Okay, but see, I wonder, I didn't read it so much as Angie was encouraging us to participate in butt transcendence as that Angie has now witnessed so many attempts at butt-to-butt contact. Yes, that, but she did not discourage us. Well, I imagine that she's entertained by it. Yes. So we're thinking about it in particular in terms of what does the South as a setting provide. Mm -hmm. But we should also mention that there is a real material angle to these shows, if not being set in the South, filmed in the South. we could look at how tax breaks, tax incentives in states such as Georgia, and I think probably even in a more extreme case in Louisiana, how at at first you could say shows like this come in and are sort of the parasitic entity on these southern spaces. In this case, and granted we we did hear... Yeah, I mean, the show is the vampire on the town. But this is the, the ironic twist, is that rather than sucking the life out, it's giving life back. Now, I, I realize that 
you know, I don't think that there would be a tour about the Vampire Diaries that talked about all the negative impact of the show on the town. Yeah. That's not a tour that anyone... Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I might be interested in that tour, but that's just because I'm kind of a weird person. But it did seem... It does seem that there is a sincere, reciprocal relationship mm-hmm. between the show and the town. And that is nice to see when we hear so many stories about that these tax incentives, if they're at the expense of public education, if they're at the expense of goods and services that citizens need, Mm -hmm. it was compelling today to see a situation where there is a positive, perhaps economic impact that the town citizens seem to be feeling more immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, So talking about reciprocity, when we were taken on this tour, we were taken to the that mansion, which is in the show The Lockwood Mansions, where the mayor lives. We met one of the owners, who was so lovely. Yes, Ben. Yes, and he opens his gate or allows his gate to be opened by Angie, the tour guide, on a daily or I don't know, multiple times a week. A group is walking down his driveway. He's going through his yard. He's going into that cool little house out. House. The carriage house. Thank you, carriage house. It wasn't an outhouse. He's allowing people to go into this house. We got popsicles, and then we get to explore his gardens and walk around, and then we leave. And I'm thinking, that's a lot to allow a group of strangers to come into your palatial estate and walk around on your beautiful grass several times a week. And he was charming and engaging and interesting and seemed glad to have us. And maybe there's some monetary reward there for doing that, but I'm thinking, wow, that's incredible. That sort of opening up your home. And not only is he opening up to the tour guides and their their charges, but this house is being constantly used for the show. And Ben even entertained my near countless questions about the architecture and renovation of the house. Yes. I think it would have been great if we could have ingratiated ourselves further and actually gotten to go in the house. Ben, if you're listening, Molly and I really want to come back and talk to you about your house. Please invite us. Yes. Maybe he listens. Maybe he will become an About South listener. It does also seem important to address or think about that Vampire Diaries is not real. (laughs) Mystic Falls is not real. The economic impact, as as well as what seems to be a city-based morale Mm -hmm. impact, is incredibly real for the town of Covington, Georgia. Even though they have to be willing to dislocate themselves from reality, they take down signs, they take down anything that would make them noticeable as the town itself. They do. I mean, they essentially have to pretend not to be the town they are. But... That in turn produces... Real, mater- yes, real and material gains. Material gains. gain, yeah, mm-hmm. economic, economic gain. Well, I don't want to take this too far afield, but I'll say that I often say to students, 
we can talk all day about the fact that social constructions are just that, constructions, they're not real. But that doesn't mean that the effects of their existence are not felt and lived, and that people have suffered as a result, or as we're talking about, profited or, or gained or had some sort of experience as a result of that construction. this week, we'd like to thank our special guest, Molly McGee. Additionally, we owe enormous thanks to Angie at Mystic Falls Tours. They in no way paid or compensated us for this episode. Our positive reviews of their Vampire Stalkers tour are entirely honest, enthusiastic, and independent. It really is a great tour. Additionally, Ben of the fictional Lockwood Mansion and our real fellow tour guests were enormously kind regarding my vampire ignorance and my over-enthusiasm in architectural details. About South is brought to you each week from the historic West End of Atlanta, Georgia. Kelly Vines is co-producer. Music is by Brian Horton. You can buy his music at brianhorton.com. Please subscribe to About South on your preferred podcast platform. You can visit and contact us at aboutsouthpodcast.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we'd like to see you in our virtual world. And speaking of facades... I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, that goes to who's... Like, this comes a little bit back to, like, the butts of the world, <laughs> which is... I was that close to his butt. But are you close to Damon's butt? Or are you close to Ian? Why? Well, Ian's butt. It's all slippage, because those two have been melded into one person. It's two cheeks of the same. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the fact that their actual butt didn't hit... I mean, unless he was naked, his butt I don't, didn't hit. Right. <laughs> he would be wearing pants. So really, you're always, there's pants, always a facade. Do, there's always a covering. Do you not think some fan has gone out there and put in their naked ass on that bench? Most likely. Especially if they've had all those cocktails at the Mystic Grill. Like the Vampire's Kiss. I don't want to drink anything on the Vampire's Kiss. Mm. You have to come back so we can go and have cocktails there one night. Done. <laughs> and if I have enough to drink, we used to put your. I may put my butt. butt <laughs> I will probably Is not. It's gonna be in the outtakes. I don't know. <laughs> On that note, let me know what I need to know about the Vampire Diaries or your favorite Southern television show. And I'll keep you posted if I do end up sitting on that bench in the Covington Square. Next week, we're talking about the southern roots of Neo Soul with Scott Heath. Until then, take care. <laughs>